Okay. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, if you can hear me, which you probably can't, I'm going to invite everybody to go ahead and uh, grab a seat. If you, would, uh, if you would go ahead and grab a seat. There we go. Hey there. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as Charlie said, my name is John Turner. I want to welcome you as well this morning to uh, worship with us here at Grace Church Lake Highlands. Um, it is always a delight to get to do just that. Um, and as Charlie said, we are beginning a new series this morning that will carry us through the summer uh, that we are calling Summer in the Psalms. Uh, real trendy name there. And I'm going to talk about a, a few resources in, in the sermon, actually, that we really do hope uh, you will participate and join in with us. But we're, we're really excited about this summer. Uh, in some ways, as it feels like maybe we take a step off the gas a little bit, maybe in your uh, career life or with family and traveling and doing some things, uh, we, we really also want to welcome and be welcomed by God to this invitation to slow down a little bit. Um, as we get into the Psalms, we really do, as Charlie mentioned, we, we get language. We are people who exist much more than just logical statements, that images do things to us, that you know, certain books and certain words and certain illustrations, and, and the Psalms is really filled with that. And we're going to see that this morning as we actually begin in Psalm 1, which for many is kind of the gateway psalm that, I don't know if you know this or not, but there was some arrangement to the book of Psalms, and Psalm 1 was intentionally put at the beginning of the book. It's kind of the doorway into the whole of the Psalms. And I am really excited to get to just share this with you this morning, because in this Psalm 1, we see a God who wants his people to have life and have life to the fullest. Psalm 1 actually starts, and I'll read it in a minute, but it says, blessed is the man and that word actually translated is happy. That happy is the person who, and we're going to find out who that person is, what they do, what they don't do. But I, I don't want us to miss that invitation by God this morning that what he wants us to be are people that are happy, that are full of life. Some of you may be familiar with the Westminster Confession, but, you know, it's this document that was put together by many in our Reformed traditions, kind of church fathers, and their first question in the, the catechism part, it's kind of this question and answer, is uh, asking, what is the purpose of man? What is man's chief end? And they answer by saying, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, and we've talked about this before, but somebody who's come along closer into our lifetime Many have heard this phrase, maybe from John Piper, but he kind of took that and built it and, and put it in this language. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And do we see that this morning, that our joy, our satisfaction, our enjoyment, our life is very much at the heart of who God is. But before we open up the psalm this morning, I, I want to ask, have we had anybody so far into the summer do any traveling in the car yet? Oh, there's laughing. That means some of you might have young kids. Uh, Claire and I, we, we jumped in the car a couple weeks ago to drive to Florida, and it was one of these things where you're like, I have no idea how this is going to go. This could be a complete nightmare, or it could be okay. It's not really going to go great in the car with two little ones under three. Um, some of you have had this experience. Some of you might have this experience with adults in the car. Um, but we, we jumped on the road, and I, I, I don't know if we have any, like, 
Apple Maps or Waze Maps or all the different maps, Google Maps, enthusiasts. I think a lot of people are very like anti-Apple Maps. Uh, I've heard that before. And I definitely have been on the receiving end of some bad routes from Apple Maps, but somehow I still jump on it. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this, this road trip, that heading on a trip that often if you're following one of those kind of Waze maps or something, that it might alert you when you are coming up to a stop or coming up to a place on your trip where you have a chance to diverge. That whether there's been a wreck or an accident or some construction, and Waze might say, hey, I would exit now and go this way. And you kind of, some, sometimes you have this split-second decision to make, whether you're going to go with that or you're going to think, hey, I'm actually going to, I think that's wrong. I'm going to go this way, and I might wait it out. Now, I don't know if anybody has any good stories or bad stories when it comes to making that choice kind of at that crossroad. Uh, I, I've got a few bad ones, but one really good one, actually, was a few years ago with some buddies heading to a bachelor party in Port Aransas. And it, I haven't been to Port Aransas much, but it was the kind of main bridge to get in, and normally kind of flows through traffic, but I think in this moment, I mean, it was literally the split-second decision where Waze was like, exit now. <laughs> and I think we had the second in the car to be like, are we going to do it or are we going to not? And I was kind of the person like, don't do it. And the guy who drove just did it, and I was like, this isn't going to work out. And we exit off the road, and literally immediately as we exit, you begin to just see all these cars for miles just not moving an inch. And we are on this feeder road that is just cruising, and I'm like, surely at some point, this is not going to work. It's either going to loop us back the other way, or we're not going to be allowed on back again. And, and I kid you not, but literally, we, we skipped all the traffic. And it shot us back on at the end of the ramp, right in front of everybody where the traffic was, and we just kept going. I mean, we like erupted in cheer and praise. <laughs> it was like, this is going to be an awesome weekend. What a start. It, it could not have gone better to have taken that route. And I just mentioned that to get you thinking this morning. We all can relate to some of those experiences in the car and experiences where we have kind of the split decision moment to make or we've been at a crossroad, either realistically in life or driving. And, and I mentioned that this morning because Psalm 1 really is kind of this place where everybody diverges and the psalmist wants to make clear that everybody in this world are on one of two paths. That there's only two paths. The psalmist does not want us to miss that there, there's not a third way, there's not a lot of paths, that there's two roads people are traveling on. And, and the psalmist very much wants us to, to see and not just read and hear it intellectually, but as we're going to see with some language and some imagery, wants to compel us towards a certain path. That we would be people that would take one route over the other. And I just hope this morning, and again, it is it is a delight to get to preach this text because we are talking about joy and happiness in life this morning, as we're going to see in Psalm 1. So if you have your Bible, if, if you have it, I'd encourage you to open it up. Psalm 1 is six verses. I'd really just encourage you to, to memorize this psalm, to live in this. As our entry point into our summer series, I really do want this to be something that we really can't get out of our mind. And so if you don't have your Bible, you can look up here on the screen. Let's read this passage together starting in verse 1 of Psalm 1. Now, I'm going to read from the ESV. Man here is a generic man-woman term. Just I don't want that to be any you know, block for anybody in here that's not a man. Blessed is the person. But here we go, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And you kind of have this inclusio in Psalm 1 that starts with this word, as I mentioned, blessed, happy. Happy is this person. And what you find at the end of Psalm 1 is this word, perish. It's this stark contrast, right, that what we begin to see as we enter into the Psalms is that the psalmist wants us to realize that there is a path for the godly and there is a path for the ungodly. And again, as we flesh some of this out, this, this in our culture, in our day and age, could make some uncomfortable, but I want to remind you, and we are going to come back to where this, where this psalm really comes to fruition in the person and the work of Jesus, but I want to remind you that God is after wanting us to be on the path of life and joy and happiness. So let's look at this this morning. I want to do so just to kind of walk in through the verses, but uh, Claire always makes fun of me for thinking about alliterations, but I want to look at kind of the path that's offered I then want to look at the picture that's given, and then we're going to just finish with this promise that is made. So path, picture, promise. Good, no chuckles, we're good. All right. Uh, I think it's interesting here that if you saw in the very beginning, you know, blessed is this person, and then we start off with three negative statements, right? Blessed is this person who does not do this. Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, Sit not in the seat of scoffers. Again, we're going to see this as we're in the Psalms and as we're in poetic language, but there is this structure and rhythm here that we can just kind of track with as you read it, right? Here's the person, this, this walk, stand, sit progression. That what the psalmist is wanting us to get is that, you know, this person does not begin to start and walk in this way and take counsel a certain way, but, you know, there's this progression of it starts with walking, it lands, lands to standing, and then finally sitting is really more of this identity piece. That if you can remember in our series going through meals with Jesus, that often who he sat with was really important because it was who, I, who he identified with. That it's kind of this more firmly rooted position that we see this progression that happens and the psalmist warns, don't even begin to walk this path. In Psalm 1 and 2, really, uh, we're going to obviously pick a few psalms throughout the summer. We won't cover all of them. But Psalm 1 and 2, often people will talk about really kind of being this pair of entryway into the psalms. And I think Psalm 2, which is more of kind of this nationalistic, kind of wider view than Psalm 1, which feels much more personal. But in Psalm 2, I just want to read the first couple of verses because I think we get kind of this attitude, this mentality, this way of life and living that the psalmist warns us not to go down. And Psalm 2 starts by this. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That what Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are saying is do not be somebody who has this sort of mentality. This way of thinking and living that is is arrogant and prideful and self-sufficient and does not consider the Lord that that way will not lead to life. It will lead to perishing. 
And I cannot help this week but think about, again, I think there's some language that, as you've read the Bible, I'm sure you've kind of just held on to it, can pop in your head at random moments. But this, this passage for me very much lately has been the one for me, right? Happy is the person who does not do these things. And we're gonna get to the positive side of this. But it made me think how much I really am taking in the counsel. And I love that we prayed this in our confession, but the counsel of the world is everywhere that it is so accessible to us. And I think partly maybe even just entering into parenthood and I'm realizing I'm like a kid still myself, but there is this real reality that for many, they are being just regularly shaped and molded by what we interact with on our phones and online, right? Through media outlets and social media and information and news and all these sorts of things. And often I think for Christians, there's supposed to be some wisdom in our filtering. And often we think that we have enough self-control and we have enough wisdom to be able to consume it all and kind of take the good or leave the bad. But often I think what begins to happen is these things take root in our thinking and our living eventually as we see this progression. That we've got to be careful about just our, our pure intake of things. I think for Claire and I, it started a conversation this week about man, do we need to create some parameters, right? Like the phone is just so there in the evenings or, you know, for some of us, it's that it's really easy to just lay and fall into bed at the end of the night and just flip on the TV every night. And what begins to happen is we, we just kind of become lulled to sleep. When the psalmist says there's a life, a path of life forward, and, and I think for, for many of us, you know, it's not to be a talk about just the guilt trip thing. But again, I think it's just a reminder that this offer onto a path is one towards life. But we've got to be careful with what we are filling our minds and our hearts and eventually what we'll, we'll, we'll walk in as people through that. And the psalmist wants us to catch that at the beginning. It's just interesting that he starts with the negative, right? Some of us aren't that motivated by like negatives. Don't do this, right? Again, two-year-old, don't do this. Well, that's probably what they're going to do. And, and again, back to the driving you know, illustration that I, I don't know if any of, any of you have ever had just your steering that was off a little bit. And so you're driving and you kind of let go of the wheel just to see like, am I, am I turning the wheel or is this thing just actually naturally veering this way? And hopefully many of you don't have that situation while you're driving down the highway, but I've tried it a couple of times and I've noticed like my steering wheel's off. And, and I think the psalmist starts with this negative because we are naturally bent towards that sort of veer that we are all naturally bent towards veering into self-sufficiency, right? And, and, and pride and, you know, all back to this route that we get to from Genesis 3 from the fall. But that is our natural inclination. So sometimes these knots are really important to set up and to be aware of. But I do want us to look at the positive expressed in the positive here. Look with me here at verse 2. The psalmist says, so blessed is the person that does not do these things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That God knows knots are not what drive us. It's not what fills us. That he actually wants to give us a greater thing that really does lead us to life and allow us to walk in this path. And that greater thing, as it says, is the person that delights in the law of the Lord. 
And again, I, I think that word delight is really supposed to kind of grab our attention a little bit. I, I just wonder, when I say that word, like, what is it for you? What have you found yourself to delight in lately? And again, as I mentioned a little bit of the social media stuff, like it's actually a little bit depressing to read some of the, the things that come out in science lately, just correlating where some of we are as a, you know, younger people in this generation, I mean, in this world, but also just across the board that things like depression and anxiety and all these things are rising that I think for some of us, I think we might even just struggle to know if I've delighted in anything. And the psalmist, again, is, is pushing us towards this path of life and delightment that can be found in the law of the Lord. And some of you, again, might hear that and be like, oh, man, what, the Ten Commandments? Like, that thing is not really going to get my heart going. <laughs> and it's important to, to notice, too, that as that psalmist, as somebody would have read this at the present time that this psalm was written, that, that could have meant the Ten Commandments. It could have meant just the Torah in general, the first five books of the Bible. But what we begin to see and what we benefit from being on this side of the return of the coming of Jesus before he returns again is that we see all of scripture from the very first page to the end always pointed to Jesus and found its fulfillment in Jesus. But again, if you'll remember that as the Pharisees come to Jesus in John chapter 5 and they ask him about the scriptures and they're like, look, you've missed it. This whole book was always intended to bring you to me. That the Ten Commandments... The not statements were always meant to build in us this sense of, I can't do these things. I need someone who has done them for me. The, the scriptures just echo and echo louder and louder and louder that it's all about the word of God made flesh, Jesus. And so for us on this side of the thing, the law of the Lord is, is the whole of scripture. And the whole of scripture bring us to a person. And, I, and that was one other thing I just wanted to mention this morning is that I think there's actually some that can really love scripture, but not necessarily love God. That we're not supposed to be infatuated with growing in Bible knowledge and, and knowing things in that sort of way. That we're meant to, through that, begin to love the ways of God. The scripture actually opens up like this vista as we begin to live in it and, and it pushes us and kind of stretches us in the gospel to be somebody that we just love the way of God. And the way of God is first found here. It's not found in our heart, in it of ourselves, that we begin to see who God is. And we begin to love the things that God loves. But this is beginning to be the pathway towards life for those that begin to delight in the word of God. I stumbled across this in one commentary this week. It said, those whose hearts and minds have been regenerated, born again, Delight in the law because it is the God-given structure and order that speaks of Jesus Christ and frees us from sin and death. But for the unregenerate, it is an oppressive burden of thou shall not. I wonder if some of us have, have moved out of that thou shall notness of the scripture that just feels burdensome. That God is wanting to invite us into the fullness of life. But it starts with this delighting. And we'll get to this next part here, meditation. It's really where I want to kind of camp and, and, and get closer to a finish this morning. But 
the reality is, is that if we're going to delight in God and delight in his law, it's going to put us in some uncomfortable situations. That there will be moments where we very much rub up against what other people delight in. And I think it's fair to say that one of those tension points right now, our moment of time, but really it's not just to ours. It's, this has been the case for many centuries, but like sexuality, right? And, and we've had this sermon before. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the one that Charlie did, talking more about God's design for sexuality and for marriage and this, and this thing. But the, the person that delights in the law of the Lord begins again to believe and know that these are the ways towards life that God is not trying to rob us of something, that we're not ashamed of the things that God says. We're not ashamed of his path forward. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, abrupt and we're looking for conflict, but I think I just wanted to point out that as we delight in God, it will cause us some tension with those around us. And so as you track with me here, continuing verse 2, the second part says, someone that delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. And, and meditate, again, I think is this really important word for us this morning. And again, you might have different things that pop in your mind as you think about meditation, right? Someone like sitting quietly and emptying their mind of all their thoughts. And I don't even know what else goes on in some forms of meditation, but there is some good in just sitting, and, and there's so much noise that we've, we've got to create this time and this space. And this is precisely what meditation with some additives here for the person in God is to do. That we're supposed to begin to find a way of reading scripture where we really sit with it. That that word that's translated here is actually often used of animals, and the sound it makes is they chew food. That there's a sense of the person that is going to find this path and delight in the law of the Lord is somebody that doesn't just read the, read the word and leave it for the day or study something and, and leave it or have checked their Bible reading plan, right, and I've done this for the day and then moves on and forgets. But it's the person that day and night meditates, chews on, thinks on, reflects on the scriptures throughout their day. And again, you can take the day and night literally. Really what the psalmist is getting after there is just consistency. And I think that's where we feel moved as a church to, to just offer, you know, six months into a new year. Some of you may have jumped into a Bible reading plan or some sort of devotional plan with enthusiasm January 1. And here we are six months later and you're like, oh man, I actually forgot I did that. And the invitation, like as we talked about in the beginning, is to kind of jump back on to the path here is an invitation to renew that. Not worry about so much maybe what you've missed out on, but begin to say, I know I need to orient myself and make a decision to be somebody that meditates on the word of God. And we, we wanted to offer a couple of resources to do that this summer as we do this series in the Psalms. Um, one is this, you can find a journal in the back as you leave this morning or as you linger uh, that has kind of our logo stamp on it. And inside of it is just this little uh, bookmark it basically will tell you what psalm we're preaching on and teaching on the following Sunday. And then on the back side, which I know, unless you have unbelievable eyesight, you cannot see. But uh, on the back side is kind of this Monday through Friday prompt that we want you to enter into if you'd be willing to. If especially you've kind of not had something that you are being directed in in your time with the scriptures. We want you to grab this and walk with us through the psalms this summer in a way that really begins to be somebody that can learn what it means to delight in God's word as we get it into our hearts and our minds through the Psalms. 
Another thing, I didn't bring it up here, but there's a book in the back by Tim Keller called The Songs of Jesus. We would highly recommend you to grab that book. That might be the one that you choose to jump in with. There's plenty, I think, still in the back. If you would, put $5 down, but no one's watching, so don't worry about it. But, uh, or if you just want to order it, order it, grab it. That, that book is also a helpful resource to begin to allow us, because I think some of us, you know, maybe we're like, yes, I would love to get more into the Psalms, but you begin to read it and you're like, what is going on here? And there's a little bit more help from a teaching standpoint, but it's still very devotional. We'd love for you to grab that as well. And then one other resource, and we'll keep going here this morning, but uh, is a book that you can find on this back table that we're starting a class this week on Tuesday morning from 7 to 8. And in the morning, 7 to 8 in the morning, not in the evenings. I'm very sorry for those that have asked. Um, But we're going to be right here in the church in the fellowship hall, and we're going to be walking through this book called Delighting in the Trinity. Um, And begin to be stretched with thinking about who God is and his character and some of these theological truths that maybe we sing about um, but need to be renewed and refreshed in. And again, that we see often come out and through the Psalms. And so I want to just encourage you in that uh, as we think about being somebody that meditates and delights in God's word. And I'll read this quote and we'll, we'll continue to move this morning. I love this quote from Maurice Roberts. And I think meditation is just such a key for us. Because in a busy and fast moving culture, we have lost the art of being somebody that can sit and chew and slow down and be with God. And they say this, our age has been sadly deficient in what may be termed spiritual greatness. And at the root of this is the modern disease of shallowness. We are all too impatient to meditate on the faith we profess. It is not the busy skimming over religious books or the careless hastening through religious duties which make for strong faith. Rather, it is the unhurried meditation on gospel truths and the exposing of our minds to these truths that yield the fruit of sanctified character. I love that quote. That many of us need to begin to enter into this unhurriedness with God. And this starts as we begin to be people that meditate, that get the scripture in us. And then, as I mentioned, you can walk throughout your day, and maybe you don't have the verse memorized, but you begin to have a thought that comes from your reading, and you sit with it throughout the day as you're working, as you're doing emails, as you're doing your stuff that you've got to do. But as we've just come out of our series of work is worship, that if we're going to really do that well, it, it can't happen if we don't have these sorts of private lives in our homes with God. Now, just kind of bringing us to a close here this morning, you know, we get this picture of who the blessed man is not and then who he is or who she is. But I love that the Psalms will do this often. He, he gives us a picture and really, the psalmist wants us to be swayed and moved by this picture of he gives of the person that does this well. And you see it here, verse 3, it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. And I, I just, that picture is one that is to get into our minds. And again, just as I've read and and thought about this this week, it's interesting. As I just drove, which I live right over here, it's a short drive. I I noticed so much more the trees that are around. (laughs) And and the Psalms will begin to do this with a lot of different things. Charlie's going to preach on a passage next week, Psalm 19. It talks about the Lord speaks through his creation. But often we're not listening because we don't notice. But it was interesting that as I drove over here, I began to notice just how many trees are around. And, you know, what's lovely about Lake Hans, too, is there's some elevation. I'm from Houston, so at least it feels like elevation. I'll call it that. 
But as I get to some of these places and you can see some rolling and some hills, like it's wild to see all of these trees and to begin to think that what God wants us to become like are these planted and rooted trees, right? And again, this, is, this may not be your thing. It's not really my thing, but it began to make me think about like what do trees do, right? Like it provides shade and it provides fruit and it provides a place to come under and there's some solidness to it that God wants his people to be trees planted where they go. We don't always get to choose where we're planted, but God wants to plant us as trees where he has planted us. I I wanted to show this picture real quick. I just think, again, pictures are so powerful. This is a picture. I got three in a row here. I don't know if anybody knows. Um, This is Hallstatt, Hallstatt, Austria. And that picture actually right there is one I took, but it's very similar to one before our trip that I saw on like a screensaver. And I saw the screensaver and I was like, hold on, where is that? I got to go. And Claire and I kind of built uh, this trip to Europe and we made sure to include this place on there because the pictures just kind of drew us there. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen. And these are some of the pictures I've taken. It's this little town that's on the, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I, I, I think what's funny too, and, and this will kind of lead us to our close here this morning, because some of you might hear this picture or think about this and and feel like I've done this. I've been somebody that has been planted and rooted in God's word and tried to delight in it, but I found myself not doing what the picture says I'll do, which is flourish or produce fruit in season or out season. Like what then? And what's interesting about this too uh, is on our trip, we went to a few different places. It actually ended up becoming one of like the, the bottom one of our experiences because the picture was beautiful, but as we got there, it was like way overcrowded. It's like this small town that you could tell has just been like diluted by tourism. And at the same time, I think they were having like a fire issue on the mountains. And so there was like 10 helicopters throughout the trip, like going down and dipping into the water and going up to the mountain, like throughout the day, it was just this loud, constant noise. And then on top of it, I think we were traveling, no kids yet, and the town shut down at like seven. And not that we were looking to go out and party, but we think we were looking to go do something. And it was just kind of dead. And we were like, "Ah, this just didn't really deliver on the picture. Uh, One more funny one, if you'll show it. This is is from the Byron Nelson. I thought this was incredibly fascinating. But uh, pause there for one second. This is like their intro or outro into the tournament. And you look at it and you're like, man, it looks beautiful, right? Like there's these flowers and the golf courses in the background. They're trying to do a little bit of Augusta. Uh, national there. And this is hilarious. I had a friend go to the tournament and saw where this is. You can show the next one. That was the setup. It was like, I could not believe it. You're watching TV and you're like, that looks incredible. And then you walk by and you're like, what is going on here? And we, we are being, we are being sold a lie. And and in reality, I think this is sometimes where we struggle, and I think this is why the Psalms is beautiful, is because as we begin to get into them and get just folded up into them, we realize the psalmists sometimes feel how we feel. God, where are you? God, this does not feel true. Why is this happening to me? That there is lament and there is honest conversation with God. But what we begin to learn is that it's always in the presence of God that it teaches us to be our whole selves and experience the vast of who we are in the presence of God. And that is what God, what he wants of us. 
And ultimately, we end here with a promise this morning, and it's connected to this image of the tree. Verse 6, and I'll just be done. It says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And ultimately, this picture did not seem like a reality to the person that would come of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That instead of a, a tree that was rooted and planted and producing fruit, that Jesus actually hung on a barren wooden cross. That on Good Friday, you, you would look at this and be like, it's not true. And yet what God was doing in, through the person of Jesus on Easter Sunday, we begin to see is that he was actually taking the wickedness of the world on himself that he became barren, that he became the true tree that did not have life on the cross so that we could be people that could walk this path of righteousness, not in ourselves, not by working harder or trying harder, but just by being rooted in Jesus. That this is the pathway of life that ultimately what we find is the diverging question is, Will you be one that is in Christ Jesus because his righteousness becomes our righteousness and this allows us to be a person who can find real life and delight in the word of God. And so I hope that you would jump in with us this summer, not to be better about reading and not to be so self-disciplined that you don't miss a day, but that you would begin to be one by the work of Jesus and want to be somebody that's infused with his life and his word that we do have a choice to make. It's not to earn something, it's not to be good enough, but it is that we would make the decision to not walk in this sort of way, but to be one that delights and meditates in the word of God. I'm so sorry for the heat this morning, um, but I do hope that you'll jump in with us this morning and grab some of these resources on your way out. Let me pray for us as we continue in taking communion and worship. Father, we are grateful that to be honest, even as we sit in a room that may feel a little bit warmer than normal, God, what a privilege to get to worship this morning with one another. God, that as we have sat and sung and, and opened up your word and, and hopefully just caught a few verses of this Psalm 1, this entryway into really life, I pray that you would allow us, each one of us, wherever we are, wherever we have spent that time or not with you lately, I pray that you would begin to fan that flame of delighting in your word, that you would teach us and stretch us and that we'd be committed to beginning to meditate on your word, knowing even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment, that it is worth it, that life will come, that you are a God we can trust precisely because you are a God who has gone to the ends of the earth to prove that. So as we head to the communion table this morning, may we be reminded of your love for us and infused with your Holy Spirit, which does allow us to be rooted and planted like a tree from Psalm 1 that we read about. I pray that that would be true of us as a community. And I pray all that in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Now, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered together, his, together with his disciples. And after giving thanks to God, he took bread and